Exodus chapter 31, beginning with verse number 12 says, And the Lord said to Moses, You ought to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. And he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are now in our Advent season. And during this Advent season, we have set aside time to focus on the tabernacle. God dwelling among his people. For we know that Jesus came in flesh and dwelled tabernacle among us as well. We began our series, or this section of the tabernacle, dealing with holy space. The Lord told Moses to tell the people to make him a tabernacle so that he could dwell in their midst. And so he gave them instructions for holy space. Then we moved from holy space to a holy people that would occupy and work and serve in that holy space. And those people were the priests. And we looked at the garments that they had to wear. And so that was a holy people to work the holy space. Now we move from holy space and holy people to holy time, the Sabbath. Friends, but today, in order for us to really understand the Sabbath, we first have to understand the meaning of Sabbath for Israel then and for Jesus before we can really apply the Sabbath to us today. And so what I've just given you is our outline for the morning. First of all, let's look at the meaning of Sabbath for them then. The meaning of Sabbath for them then. Our unit, friends, opens with these words, and the Lord said to Moses, 
I point this out because this phrase is a marker of a new structural unit. What's significant about this phrase, and the Lord said to Moses, is that these words, the Lord said to Moses, is repeated seven times in chapters 25 through 31. And I am convinced that the author is intentionally trying to communicate something to his readers and us with the use of this phrase. The seventh restatement of this phrase, the Lord said to Moses, happens to concern the Sabbath. What is happening here? The author is obviously following the pattern of original creation. In Genesis, we see the Lord creating the heavens, the earth, and the first inhabitants of his earth, or should we say holy space, in six days. And then on the seventh day, the Lord rested, Sabbath, from his work. And the author points this out to us explicitly in verse 17 when he says, it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So what were the original readers of the text to learn? First, I believe that he wanted them to remember that the by partaking in the Sabbath, it was to remind them that Israel was a new creation. They are a new people of God whom he intends to use to undo the work of the first man that was created. The Sabbath was to be a reminder that the tabernacle was also a new creation where the presence of God would dwell. And so we see for them then the Sabbath was reminded that they were a new creation, like Adam and Eve were a new creation, and God put them in his holy space. They were his holy people, and he would dwell among them. This was the new Eden. But the Lord specifically says that there, he gives us a purpose of the Sabbath, in our text in verse 13, he says, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know, there's that phrase, earlier on in Exodus, we kept hearing that over and over again, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. That word, just so you know, that word where he says, keep my Sabbath, that word keep means to guard to protect. They ought to guard the Sabbath because it was a covenant sign between the Lord and his people. The Sabbath was to be a marker that they were in a special relationship with their king, Yahweh. And their duty under the covenant was to be loyal to their king and in return, they would enjoy the blessings and privileges of being under his rule. And friends, the ultimate goal of that sign of the covenant was the knowledge of God. 
And specifically, he wants them to know that he is the Lord that sanctifies them. That word sanctify is the same word where we get our word holy from. It was the Lord that made them holy. It was the Lord that separated them from all the other nations of the world. So the Sabbath also distinguishes them from all other nations. Unlike the rest of the world, they were to treat holy time one day out of the week as unordinary. This set them apart from the world. There was also a practical benefit for the Israelites as well. The text tells us that the Lord, and we read it a while ago, that the Lord created the heaven and earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. They were to take time to rest from the activities of the previous six days and be refreshed physically. For us to properly understand the full meaning of the Sabbath, we can't just look at Exodus 31, 12 through 18, but I think we need to look at some more verses in the Pentateuch. Specifically, Leviticus 23 and 3. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day, that is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation or assembly. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. So in Leviticus 23 and 3, we learn that on the Sabbath, Israel was to assemble. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 14. Have it for us on the screen. But on the seventh day, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it shall not, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So friends, we learn here in Deuteronomy that the Sabbath was for everyone in the community for the purpose of rest. Furthermore, the Sabbath was to be a day of remembrance of the Lord's redemption of Israel from Egypt. They were to set aside holy time to remember their deliverance. Now, as we look forward to the new Sabbath, remember, all we're trying to do is establish the meaning of Sabbath for them then, as we look forward to the New Testament, we see even Jesus keeping the Sabbath. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. Here it is. It's on the screen for you. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went through all the surround. Oh, that's not the right verse, 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. 
and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and set all and set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So we learn, friends, that in these verses that Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. And in the synagogue, there was reading of scripture and exposition of scripture. So let's summarize what we've learned so far about the Sabbath. The Sabbath was holy time that was to be a sign for Israel that she was in covenant relationship with the Lord. The Sabbath signified to them that they were a new creation. They were not to work on that day as it was a holy day. It was to be a day of rest, a day of remembrance. A day that gave them deeper understanding as the Lord their sanctifier. There were activities that were permitted on the Sabbath, such as worship in the synagogue, that included prayers, reading of Scripture, and exposition of Scripture. So we see what it meant for the Israelites then. The question we still have to answer friends, is if the Sabbath was a sign of the old Mosaic covenant, then what does it mean for us today? I want to help us here. Typically, we admittedly make the connection of the Sabbath to the Lord's Day, what we call Sunday, or some of us designate other days as our day of Sabbath. I spent this weekend, like many of my weekends, in a gym watching basketball. <sighs> some good, some bad, some ugly. Yesterday we were at Newton and um, there was a tournament. My son had a tournament there and one of the things that I happened to observe was um, Newton had their cheerleaders there. Nobody else but Newton had cheerleaders. And I was messing with And as I saw them, I looked at uh, Lily. Lily is watching. We, she just likes to watch Baby. There's a little show she watches. And she's watching. And this is the one time where we can get Lily to be still and focus on this one thing. Otherwise, she's all over the place. But Lily stopped watching Baby to take the time to look at those cheerleaders. She does the same thing when we're in, at Andover game. She, she loves the cheerleaders. And you know, a lot of times cheerleaders, they will do something like, when I say, we'll use uh, the, the Andover Trojans. When I say go, you say Trojans. So they say go, you say, that's how it goes. We're gonna do that right now, typically. When somebody says Sabbath, you think day. But here's what it's going to be now. When I say Sabbath, you think person. 
Let's look now at the man of Sabbath. Our first thought of Sabbath should not be a day, but rather a person. When we think Sabbath, we should immediately think Jesus. Friends, it is, the word Sabbath means rest. It is in Jesus that we find true rest. Okay, prove, stake your claim, Reverend. I'm glad you challenged me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Here's what the Lord Jesus says. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, Jesus is the true Sabbath. Jesus offers soul rest for those who respond to his call to discipleship. Rest in Christ only comes through faith in Christ. So if you are here today and you won't rest from trying to earn your salvation, come to Jesus. If you won't rest from the penalty of your sin, come to Jesus. If you won't rest from the power of your sin, come to Jesus. If you won't rest from anxiety, worry, and stress, come to Jesus. Because it's only in Jesus that we find true rest. I am confident that Jesus is the true Sabbath because this is what the Bible says. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 through 17. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These, including the Sabbath, are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbath, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Jesus is the Sabbath. So when I say Sabbath, you think, there you go. So then, what is the meaning of Sabbath for us today? That's my third point, and then we'll go home. What does this mean for us today? First, let me be very clear that there is nowhere in the New Testament where there is a command for new covenant believers to observe a Sabbath day. Nowhere in the New Testament is there a command to observe the Sabbath for the new covenant people of God. We don't have to observe a certain day where we do no work. That's just not in Scripture explicitly. However, we are not to judge those who do observe some sort of Sabbath. Romans chapter 14, verse 5 says, One person regards one day holier than other days, and another regards them all alike. 
Each must be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day does it for the Lord. So if you are convinced in your own mind that you want to dedicate a day of rest to the Lord, then Paul says that that is well within your Christian liberty. And those of, those of you or us who do not deserve or do not observe a Sabbath should not judge you. In like manner, those who do observe Sabbath have no right to judge those who do not observe any type of Sabbath. We just read that in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So, I argue that the Sabbath regulation is not binding on new covenant believers today. That was the sign of the old Mosaic covenant. Jesus Christ has given us a sign of the new covenant. We have them by way of baptism in the Lord's Supper. Those are the new covenant signs. So then, what is our primary application from the Sabbath? I actually didn't have to work too hard for this. I just had to read the Bible. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. Here it is. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. What is the application for us concerning this text around the Sabbath? Strive to enter that rest. Friends, for Israel, God was getting ready to lead them to a new place where they would have rest from their enemies, and that land was to be Canaan. But now, friends, as the new covenant church people of God, there is a better rest, a rest better than Canaan, where the wicked shall cease from troubling and the weary shall be at rest. There is a greater rest where there will be no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow, no more sickness. We're headed for that rest. And so now the author of Hebrews says, you better strive to enter that rest. Oh, 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 here's another way of saying it. Make every effort to enter that rest. And now some of you have uh, 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 some theological unrest because I just said make every effort to enter that rest. Wait, wait, preacher, you just told us about the grace of God and how we're saved by grace through faith. But, but what, what, so how are we supposed to make effort? We're in, ain't we? So why should we make every effort to enter that rest? I'm glad you asked. Let me make sure you understand something. God is opposed to earning, not effort. Woo! Thank you. God is opposed to earning, not effort. We cannot earn right relationship with God. We cannot earn our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works. But friends, when we, as we are saved, once we are saved, it takes some effort on our part to, to be sanctified. 
to be holy. We work, here it is, in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. I'm in the book. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We are to work out what God is already working in us. And so we cooperate by obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we are to just submit, to yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our sanctification between the rest we have in salvation and the rest we are hoping to enter into. Between that time, we are to make every effort to make sure that we enter that rest. We now, we live in this age of let go and let God. Now, the, at, at core, that is unbiblical. We, 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 let, we, we are to let God do in us what he wants to do in us, and then we work it out. So then, how do we strive to enter our future rest? It's in the text, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Don't fall by the same sort of disobedience. In the context of Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, the Lord was talking about, it, it reminds us, he says that there were people that were supposed to enter Canaan, but they didn't because of their grumbling and their disobedience in the wilderness. And so the Lord said, you will never enter my rest. That was his word then. And so now he's saying, now when David writes the psalm, he writes this psalm today. If you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. And so what the author in Hebrew does is he's letting us, know, letting us know that we now live in the period of today. Don't harden our heart by becoming disobedient like those in the wilderness were disobedient to the Lord. So how do we make every effort to enter the rest that is ours? Obedience. Obedience to the Lord's commands. Friends, obedience is evidence that we have faith in the word of God. Obedience is evidence that we truly believe the gospel. Obedience is the outworking of our faith in God. Our obedience shows that we actually love God. So that's our primary application. Strive to enter that rest. How else can we honor the heart of the Sabbath? Friends, I think there is some wisdom in marking off holy time in our lives. We should have holy rhythms of work and rest. And that rest is going to look different from person to person. However, it should look different than the other six days of our lives as we imitate the holy rhythm of God in creation. I think we need to have these holy rhythms of work and rest because the, a day of rest shows that we actually trust God to provide. I'm going to show you how good God is. Anybody that knows me well knows that my family loves some Chick-fil-A. If you ever want to bless your pastor, bring me some Chick-fil-A. 
As much money as I've given Chick-fil-A over these last five years, living right up the road from them, I ought to have stock in them. We love us some Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, friends, has intentionally decided to close their doors on Sunday. And I have a love-hate relationship with that principle because guess when I be wanting some Chick-fil-A? My daughter in the heartbeat, we'll be like, what y'all want to eat after church? She'll be like, Chick-fil-A? I'm like, it's Sunday, girl. Chick-fil-A has decided intentionally that they're going to close their doors once a week. They marked off holy time to give their uh, workers time to do whatever it is they want to do on that one day. Watch this. Chick-fil-A is now the fifth largest fast food company. And Chick-fil-A restaurants, watch this, this blew my mind, generate more than double the revenue of McDonald's. Google it. I, I just believe, call me crazy if you want to, but I just believe that the Lord has his hand upon them is blessing them and showing them that you don't have to cave into the culture. That you can do all your work in six days and you'll be just as prosperous as those who keep on working seven days a week. That's a word for somebody in, in here today. You need to model Chick-fil-A. Trust the Lord for six days. Trust the Lord that he'll take care of you and whatever he's provided you in six days will sustain you through that seventh day. Friends, we should also mark off holy time for corporate worship, a time devoted to the gathering with the saints for the purposes of prayer, reading the word, singing the word, preaching and hearing of the word. That was the custom of Jesus, and it should be of us too. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Someone in here today, you are in need of rest, not just physically, but spiritually. You are tired of trying to earn your way into heaven. You are weary from carrying the burden of your sinful past. You are exhausted from trying but failing to obey rules and regulations. The solution for your weariness, exhaustion, and tiredness is to believe in Jesus, who has done all the work necessary to pay the penalty of your sins by dying on a cross in your place. That Jesus was buried but rose victoriously from the grave three days later. The promise that we have is that if you believe in him and his work, you will be saved. You will now in inherit a new kind of holy time called eternal life. Jesus offers rest, not just for the unsaved, but for the saved too. Jesus calls on you. To bring all your problems, your issues, your cares, and cast them on him. And he will give you true rest. Let's stand. Father, we thank you that you have indeed given us rest. through the person who brings ultimate rest, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the reality, the substance 
of the Sabbath. God, somebody is in this room in need of rest. Some physically, some spiritually, some emotionally. Father, do it. In the mighty name of Jesus, help us, God, to make every effort to enter the rest by being obedient to you. Help us, God, not to succumb to temptation. Help us, God, to be obedient. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Find friends.